Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Bronwyn. I'm sitting here with Joel and we are sitting across from Rebecca Robertson, who is the author of About a Girl. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Bronwyn. Now, please tell us about your book. It's a very special, important book. Um, About a Girl is about my girl, my daughter, Georgie Stone, who is a young transgender woman. Um, And it's about raising her and her twin brother, Harry, and the, uh, I suppose, the, um, the ups and downs of um, uh, our experiences over the last 18 or 19 years. I think um, Georgie and Harry were born at, uh, in the year 2000. And um, there's been a, a tremendous uh, change, I think, in the um, visibility Um, and discussion around trans and gender diverse people. Sometimes that discussion has been really negative and it's been really harmful for trans and gender diverse people. And uh, there's a lot of uh, mythology, stigmatisation, stereotyping, discrimination that trans and gender diverse people experience. And um, that doesn't reflect... um, our experience with Georgie. Um, She's certainly been exposed to those negative harms, but uh, Georgie being trans is not the biggest part about her and Mm. her humanity in her life. So what we wanted to do, um, and what I was aiming to do in writing this book, was to shine a light on not just the things that stigmatise, but the things that humanise Georgie, and our experience as a family. And so people have an insight that it's, this, isn't, um, uh, this isn't a radical thing to support your child so that they can reach their full potential. That's just a thing that parents do. Um, it's not an abnormal thing. What is difficult is that this is an area that our society is grappling with at the moment. So I'm really just wanting to invite people into our lives so that they can see for themselves what the experience is often like rather than listening to what they hear in the media which isn't accurate at all most of the time. Absolutely and I think that's what makes this book so special. One of the reasons is that for so many people they may not know a trans man or a trans woman and so this yeah invites them into the experience and shows us that it is something that we should embrace it as something that is normal Mm. yeah Mm. and i mean from my personal experience reading this i you know as many of us do in the book world to live in a (laughs) bit of a progressive bubble and you tell yourself that you know you want to be um as progressive and and correct as possible and i have two small children four four and two and it's something i think about and i really loved the component of this as coming from the perspective of a parent as opposed to um, if it had been Georgie writing her story it would have also been fascinating but this is your story as much as it is hers Mm -hmm. and I think particularly those early chapters were so moving for me because it and sort of um, life affirming because actually you managed you know you persevered yeah so I wondered if you could tell us a bit about the sort of early years and Uh, you know, whatever you like, really, but um, I think that was really interesting. Well, I suppose the early years um, uh, of of 
Georgie and Harry's life were they were so um, they were beautiful they were idealistic in many ways um, um, I was uh, an at-home mum um, I, I had a part-time job as a massage therapist we spent long days together playing um, and um, both of my kids were really imaginative and expressive and um, they were wonderful days. Um, but Georgie's preferences um, and her expression um, uh, and the words that she used were very pronounced. And of course, we, we didn't know what to do with that mm. um, at the time. There, were, there was very little information on um, how to parent a trans child or even if that was something that we should be supporting. Um, and so, and we also know that all kids express themselves in, mm. in various ways. So it was very much a, a wait and see. And, and we also thought, well, Georgie might just be a fabulous, extravag extravagant gay man. And that was okay too. We weren't, mm. we weren't worried about that. But it was when the insistence really grew and became very intense um, for Georgie. And when she started school, and of course we, we all know that school can be very um, gendered, um, so girls get siphoned off into one group and boys off into another group, and that was where Georgie really began to feel like nobody could see her. Like she used to say that she felt like a, a mythical creature, that there was nobody else like her. And that was when she started to experience real distress about how she knew she felt about herself inside. I, I, I run a, um, a support group for um, the families of trans and gender diverse people, Transcend. And in the early days, um, uh, often parents would say to me, am I doing the right thing by supporting my child? And I think it's a question that, that we really uh, thought about a lot in, in the early days. Is this the right thing to do? Um, and I know that there were people who thought that I was encouraging Georgie, that I was endorsing a particular course of action by supporting her, but I don't think people understand the the depth of sincerity and the um, the intensity of uh, that persistent feeling that Georgie had, and the and the persistency with which she kept expressing herself and saying, "I am a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl," and. Her dressing up to make herself look like a girl was one thing and her playing with choosing um, um, toys and, and playmates that typically associated with little girls is one thing. That's fine. Lots of people do that. But she just kept verbalising it constantly. Mm. And that was, that was the big difference, I think. Um, 
And that's Georgie. Georgie is, has always been really articulate. She's always been able to express herself very well. Not every child is like that. And not every child will be able to distill what's going on in, inside them. Um, so I think that's why young people come forward at different ages too. When they, when they finally do go, oh, I think this might be the issue for me. And I think that's, that's when some parents get a bit of a shock and think this is, you know, this isn't real because they, they've never expressed those feelings before. Absolutely. I, I think there is something really distinctive about how confident and articulate she seemed to be about her, her identity from such a young age. And that was quite striking to come from a personal story, I think, because I think it's very easy to forget or not realise what, what that process is actually like. I mean, my, my son frequently dresses up in dresses and goes to daycare and he loves it and, we, and he can do whatever he likes, but he has never said anything about feeling like a, a girl. And that's so, right. and that's, you know, something I'm absolutely okay with but it hasn't happened yeah. and we wondered early on but you know he that's just his you know yeah. his personality and i think that's something that people should be really aware of because mm. it's a very different thing mm. it is a very different thing and um uh, but i also think um uh parents have changed as well over the last um 20 years mm. so when when i was um a young mum it was, it was less accepted for uh, your child to show that sort of that cross-gender sort of preferencing. Mm. It wasn't completely frowned on, but it was less, it was less prevalent. I think that uh, this generation of parents coming through with young kids are less attached to all of those. I totally uh, agree. Yeah, structures. It's very and easy. It, it's. I think. I think. Um, um, dads are better at um, opening themselves up to their child being playful rather than just sticking to rigid gender roles. Mm. Um, and I think um, uh, there's, there's just a, 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 a more open understanding of the, the breadth of a child's expression and to just let kids be kids yeah. mm. and just let them play and learn and find out who they are. Yes. And that, though that cultural difference, I guess, is not evenly distributed around our country or any other country. So I thought it, I do think it's still very present, your story, even though, um, you know, Georgie and Harry were born in 2000, it doesn't feel out of touch with the experience that I have thinking about my extended family or mm. anybody else um, and many other people I know. I wonder if you could talk a bit about the impact the experience had on your family. Mm. Um, I know, for example, um, George's father str struggled to begin with as well and that would have been a massive pressure on both on you and on Georgie, I imagine. Um, I wonder if you could speak to that mm. a bit. Um, I uh, look, I think for Greg, Georgie's dad, um, the reticence came from a place of love. It, it, it mm. came from a place of wanting to protect Georgie. Um, but 
it was it also became um, a, a tension between him and I um, and our different approaches to to the issue that Georgie was experiencing um, and that adds another layer of of stress I suppose to what's is an already overwhelming and stressful experience. One of the things I think that's really difficult when um, you discover that your young person is trans or gender diverse is educating the people around you. Mm. Um, and that often, not always, but it often falls on the shoulders of the mother. Absolutely. And, and because, you know, it just seems to be assumed that we're the ones who are going to be able to get the message across and, and take the time to educate. That is so exhausting and, and it's, a huge, um, it's a huge thing to carry for the whole family. So I often see and I experienced it myself um, that we're keeping everybody's heads above water. Mm. Um, we're... Uh, um, at once um, supporting, placating, <laughs> um, um, educating and um, bringing the community of family and friends and school along with us, it's, it's enormous. So the impact on me was that I've been exhausted for <laughs> a long time, really tired. Above and beyond normal parenting exhaustion, which <laughs> is pretty beyond, intense. Yeah, above and beyond um, uh, the, the average parenting exhaustion. And, you know, I had twins, so I, yeah. I was already behind the eight ball. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think that the, the impact of, of family uh, not being supportive or... Even if it's not exactly not being supportive, but your efforts are damned with faint praise, that can be so debilitating. It can feel so isolating, like you're, you're an outlier in your own family. And I, I think a lot of families experience that. I don't think I know a single family who hasn't lost a family member through supporting their their child. There, there are very few uh, families who I think are, are completely um, uh, co cohesive around this issue. And not just family, <laughs> friends and, and just people that Georgie will constantly meet, you know, that she'll want to connect with but who won't want to connect with her because of, you know, who she is. And I mean, my, um, my best friend is a trans man and I was living with him when he started going through the beginning of the transition and telling his friends and his relatives that this was happening. And every single time he went to do it, he was so scared and stressed and watching that impact of like, will he lose someone because of admitting who he, he really is? And so, I mean, Georgie would experience the same thing. And so how does she handle that? I mean... For, for Georgie, I think her situation is a little different mm. from your friends um, yeah. because she um, came out Much so younger. young. But yeah. yes, I mean, we have lost some friends yeah. um, who, who um, not necessarily weren't supportive, mm. um, but um, 
were unreliable. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, and, you know, Georgie's, um, Georgie's always been very good socially. So she does, she does have some good friends, but uh, again, her, her experiences as a, as a, uh, an adolescent trans person mm. is different from the experiences of her peer cohort. Um, and she has different things to think about yeah. in terms of um, uh, some aspects of her education. As she wasn't able to participate in sport, for example, she um, uh, the sex education classes in in her school just didn't apply to her in the same way as it did to her peers. Mm-hmm. So those um, those really important factors in a person's life you are not able to participate in. And it's those things that are incredibly subtle that that cisgender people, non-trans people, will not even recognise as an issue. They they wouldn't see that. But um, what your friend has experienced is is one of those really isolating moments and really scary moments where you have to keep coming out to people yeah. and that that repetition of the same stressful moment and that enormous vulnerability that it takes to do that um, and courage that it takes to do that to keep going back and opening themselves up to this is who I am please don't hate me yeah. is just if people really understood what that was like for trans people, they would be so much kinder, I think. I agree. Yeah, just just witnessing it for someone that I love, you know, mm. was incredibly powerful. But most people don't get to see that or experience it. So it's it's this is why the book is just so incredible. Thank you. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, one of the most important um, climactic moments of the book is is the sort of court case and the outcome of the court case. And I've been thinking about that a lot. A friend of mine, um, uh, his daughter is going through a gender affirmation process now and I have an intermittent touch about the process and get check-ins occasionally and it seems terrifying, <laughs> both from the perspective of a parent and for and for his daughter. But... At the same time, reading this book made me realise so much has been done to smooth that process for kids going through this right now. I wondered if you could speak a little bit about that and and I guess as an extension of that about Transcend mm. and what you guys are doing. Mm. Um, well, obviously, um, when, when Georgie... Um, first started seeing specialists back in 2007 it was quite a different landscape and the um, the family court interference in um, the the uh, medical treatment for trans and gender diverse young people was a real barrier to good outcomes for young people so the removal of that has been has had an extraordinarily positive impact the fact that we're seeing um, more trans people on our screens, more representation, more visibility is good because when Georgie was little, she didn't see anybody like her. She didn't see anybody who was an adult that 
that was uh, portrayed in a way that didn't frighten her, frighten her or make her feel bad about herself. So many of the, the, the things that we see on our television about trans and gender diverse people were negative. So the first person that she ever saw who she could see her future in was Janet Mock, mm. who's um, an American trans woman, mm. a writer, and now a director of Pose and doing amazing things. So Janet was the first person Georgie could look at and go, that is my potential. That is, that is I can see myself in this person. So the change has been, um, and the advances have been wonderful, but with that has come um, a backlash of mm. extraordinary proportions. So it would be easy for parents right now to think and to see that these are very trying times, and they are. They are very trying times. But I know a lot of trans and gender diverse elders who have been through so much worse than this time and have overcome obstacles far greater than the ones that we are faced with. So while we are living through challenging times with um, you know, organised, orchestrated campaigns against supporting trans children, um, against the, the medical standards, um, against birth certificate reform, against any of uh, the human rights advances that we're trying to make for trans and gender diverse young people. There's so much to be positive about as well. Mm. And um, I think Georgie um, appearing on Neighbours as the first, their first trans actor playing a trans character is significant. I think there are other young people doing amazing things. Um, young Evie McDonald, who has um, appeared in um, um, an ABC Me um, program called First Day. Um, and there, there are young people who are really kicking goals at the moment. So um, I would say to new families, hang in there, and that's what I'm saying to, to the families who are part of Transcend. Sure, things are looking dark, but it's always darkest before the dawn. And we are making progress despite the backlash against the advancement of human rights of trans and gender diverse people. And um, I just, what, one of the things that I, I tell the kids about life in general is that um, the better prepared you are, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, we often think that, that people's success is kind of, you know, it's a bit of luck, but it isn't. People who are successful work for their success and they persevere through the, the yucky bits. And so that's what we've got to do. We've just got to persevere. We just have to keep going and, um, and we'll, we'll keep knocking off those things that are on our to-do list yeah. and we'll keep making changes in our community and society because there's nothing to fear but fear itself. There's nothing to fear from a single trans and gender diverse person at all. The only thing that's going to change for us is we'll have happier members of our community being able to uh, contribute and I think at this point in time where our world is, 
teetering on the edge of catastrophic climate change, where there is a rise in far-right uh, political points of view, that we need all our best minds at hand. And what if one of those best minds is a trans person? What if one of those best minds, one of those minds, those brilliant minds that helps us escape from our current predicament is a trans or gender diverse young person? I want that young person to reach their full potential, to unlock that so that we have all our best people on board for the challenges ahead. Yeah. We're all part of the solution and... Um, and uh, I just, uh, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to discriminate. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. It doesn't make sense. It's, that's such an optimistic, lovely way of looking at the problem, I think, honestly. Yeah. That's so life-affirming and wonderful. And I think your book also is that. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. I honestly could keep talking to you about this for another <laughs> 30 minutes, an hour, <laughs> but I feel like... Um, we're going to run out of time. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Joel. And you can buy About a Girl by Rebecca Robertson at booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.